So, uh, brand new year. Wow, time does fly, doesn't it? And uh, a big part of what is around this, uh, this start of the year, every year, is the resolutions. Who has already made New Year's resolutions? Who's done that? Nobody? Seriously? I don't believe that. I think you're just too embarrassed to admit that you've done it. Well, whether you have or not, one thing is, is certain uh, it's probably already been broken. Even if you didn't make a resolution, what you would make would already be broken. Uh, that's the way it works. And that's wh- why we continue as a culture to make resolutions every year because uh, the one thing that is consistent is that they are consistently not kept. That, that's what marks us every year. And you know, you know the common annual resolutions, things like exercise more, things like losing weight, which connects to the exercising more, uh, saving more money, spending less money, those kinds of things. You're right, that's, that's pretty much the regular resolutions that get made and then broken every year. Um, I wanted to give you some resolution examples that aren't so much the typical ones. They're, they're not as common as you probably are used to or that you hear or that you make. Um, but these, I think, are more realistic, more honest, and probably more achievable. Uh, this, was, this is not original with me. I, I found this, okay? Um, the first one I want to share is only buy pants with no buttons or zippers. And uh, second, buy all leftover 2021 calendars and burn them. I think we can all, you know, get behind that one. Uh, Third, manage to go the entire year without accidentally telling some random person on the phone, love you, as the call ends. Some, some, that's a real problem in some cases. Uh, number four, read more. Or at least turn the subtitles on while binge-watching TV. And count that as you're reading. Uh, number five, take every spare wrapping paper tube from Christmas I find and wield it like a lightsaber. I like that one. And last but not least, stop Googling symptoms of dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I think we would all do well to observe that one. So, yeah, resolutions, you might make them, you might not. Uh, if you make them, you probably don't keep them. Uh, it's, it's just the cycle, this endless cycle that seems to happen every year. And I, no judgment if you make resolutions, nothing wrong with that at all. But I want to suggest to you... Uh, all of us collectively and, and you individually, uh, that you focus instead of resolutions on the theme that we have for the new year for our church. We do this every year. Uh, we, we introduce a theme at the start of the year, and all through the year we try to focus on that uh, from time to time and bring our attention back. And so the theme for the new year, 2022, for Faith Baptist is this, living by faith, led by truth. Living by faith, led by truth. That's what we want to, to be about. That's what we want to have define us uh, as a collective body and as individual members that make up the body. We really want to pursue that. We want to, to be able to look back on 2022 and say, by God's grace and by the Spirit's power, we were people that lived by faith. It's not just the name on the, on the sign out front, that it truly does define us, that we were people that lived by faith and were led by truth. 
And that's, that needs to echo through everything we are, everything we do. Small things, big things. We want to be people that live by faith and are led by truth. And directly connected to that, the title of today's message is Live by Faith, Be Led by Truth. That's my challenge for all of us. And I think it's a worthy goal to have. I think that it's something to resolve daily to pursue and to, to see uh, lived out in our lives and through our lives. And what a difference it would make if we all consistently walked in that, right? If we consistently were people that lived by faith, not by sight. If we were people that consistently were led by truth above all other things, what a difference that would make. So let's talk together about what that means. You hear that phrase, you're probably going to agree with it, but what does that mean? Well, uh, of course there is Scripture behind this theme. It's not just something that we came up with out of nowhere. Uh, There is scriptural foundation for it. And the first Scripture that I want to share with you that really speaks to that theme and that focus of living by faith, especially that part, living by faith, uh, is Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11 says this, Now it is clear that no one is justified or declared right in right standing before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. So the law, Paul says, that doesn't make you right with God. It can't. There's, there's no way it has the power to make you right with God. It cannot justify you before God. The law cannot do it. It was powerless to do it. That's why Jesus had to come to do what the law could not do, free us, make us righteous, make us in right standing with God. And so once we understand that, that it's not about the law, it's about the work of Christ to free us from the law. Once we understand that, we're able to then be made righteous. Not by any effort we, we do on our part, not by any talent or power we possess, not by trying harder or doing more, but by surrendering to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's how we're made righteous. And once we're made righteous, this says... We will live by faith. Faith in Christ is what made us righteous, and faith in Christ is how we should then live our lives. So there's kind of the, the intellectual part of that. That's the, the fact of what it means once you have been made righteous, how you go about it, you live by faith. But A good question to ask is, what does it mean, though, to live by faith? I understand the concept that we're supposed to do that, but what does it look like? How do you go about living by faith? So I want to draw your attention to what living by faith actually looks like. And there's all kinds of examples all through God's Word that He gives us of of people that did that and did that well, and we're able to see what that looks like. Um, But One of the best examples, I think, is Abraham. I think he's one of the best examples we have. Uh, And not only is Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, but Paul tells us in Romans that he's actually the father of faith. And so in Hebrews 11, which is commonly and I think fittingly referred to as the hall of faith, Abraham stands out as a really good example of what it looks like to live by faith. Hebrews 11 
verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was called by God, God is, is who called Abraham to himself, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. So Abraham um, was part of the Chaldean people. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. And he was, he was a Gentile. He was also a, a pagan. He did not seek and serve Yahweh as the one true God. But uh, it seems pretty clear that he was one who just didn't seem to find fulfillment in the worship of his people, in the, the cultural practices of his people. And God just amazingly met Abraham where he was at, drew him to himself, revealed himself to Abraham, even though Abraham was not, at least according to Scripture, aggressively searching for him. God intervened in his life, drew him to himself, and said, I want you, Abraham, to leave the land you know. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave what's familiar to you. I want you to leave your prosperity because he was, he was apparently pretty, pretty wealthy, pretty prosperous. He left his father's household, all of his relatives. He left his hometown. He left his culture. He left everything just at the word of God that he really didn't even know all that well at that point. But God came to him. God called him out of his comfort zone, called him out of his customs, called him out of his culture, said, Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I will reveal to you. I'm not even going to tell you right now where you're going. I just want you to leave. Leave everything you know. Come follow me, and, and I will make known to you where I want you to be and what I'm going to do with your life. Now that's a pretty big ask, isn't it? I mean, that, that's huge. Think about how you would react to that. Um, think about how people would react to you when you told them what you were going to do. But Abraham did it. He went out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, this verse tells us, and he went. I mean, he obeyed. He stepped out in faith, not even knowing where he was going, but he went anyway. Verse 9 says this, By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. And here's why he did it. Verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And that is a very good picture of what faith is. And even at the beginning of this chapter, the first verse of Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, which is full of, of all kinds of examples of great men and women of faith, it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's, what, that's a good definition of, of what faith is. You can't really get much better than that as a definition considering it's in the Word of God itself. And uh, God has defined for us what faith really is all about. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that's what drove Abraham. That's what defined him. That's why he set out. He was unfulfilled in his surroundings. He was lacking 
purpose and meaning, and he knew there had to be more. He just didn't know what that was. And so God intervened, drew him to himself, and said, Abraham, I've got big plans for you. What are they? I'm not telling you yet. Just just follow me. Go where I'm going to lead you. Go where I'm going to tell you, and and I'll, I'll reveal it to you as you go. Well, he did that, and skipping ahead in his story, verse 17 of Hebrews 11 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested which often happens as we go through our pursuit of living a life of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son. Verse 18, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. See, after Abraham follows this mysterious call from God to leave everything he knew, all that was familiar, to go to some place that he didn't know, that he would find out as he went. As time went on, God also told Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. In fact, all the peoples of earth will be blessed because of you and by means of you and through you. Isaac was the son of promise. He's the one that God said, through him, I'm going to to bless all the world. I'm going to make great nations for you. I'm going to, going to give you a, a huge inheritance through Isaac. You're going to have countless descendants. He's the one that I'm going to use to do that. But then he says to Abraham, take your son Isaac, the one whom you love, the one who I'm going to bless you through, and I'm going to bless all the earth through, and you're going to have countless descendants because of him. I want you to take him, and I want you to offer him up to me as a sacrifice. And rather than Abraham questioning and trying to avoid doing that, he does exactly that. He takes his son Isaac, he has him follow him up to the mountain, he tells him to lay down on on a a, a made altar. Uh, Isaac willingly obeys, humbling himself under his father's will. Great undeniable picture, by the way, of what would happen on Calvary great picture of the gospel and the coming Messiah. That's what happens. And right before he's ready to plunge the knife into his son, the son of promise, the angel of the Lord stops him. And he says, don't harm him. I know you fear me. I know you trust me. I know you you are a man of faith. I know you value me even more than you value your son. And verse 19 of Hebrews 11 gives us a clue as to why Abraham was able to go through up to the point of actually taking the life of his son before God stopped him. Verse 19 tells us the motivation and the way he was able to do that. Because you know you, and and I know you, and I know me, and we all know we could not have gone through with that. Right? There's no way we could have done that. Had we been in Abraham's sandals, and we heard that from God, what He wanted us to do, that would be it for us. We'd say, okay, that's it. I'm not with you anymore. I'm not following you anymore. This is crazy. I'm not doing it. And we would just we would completely walk away, not just from that command, but from the God who gave it. Right? That would be true of us. Abraham, though, was willing to go through with it all the way up to the point of being stopped. And verse 19 is how he was able to. Verse 19 says this, He considered God to be able 
even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. So Abraham's faith was such, he had seen God provide enough times and in enough miraculous ways. He had seen the way God guided him, the way that God was with him through every aspect of his journey and in his life up to this point, that he resolved within himself that if God was calling him to sacrifice Isaac, the one that he had promised to make a great nation through, the one that he had promised so many things to Abraham about Isaac, that if God had him truly sacrifice Isaac, take his life, then God would be able and faithful to even raise him up from the dead again. That's what he believed. That was the level of his faith. Okay, God, I don't understand this. This is not how I would do it. I don't know what you're doing with this, but I do know you, and I know you are good, and I believe that you have nothing but good in mind for me. I believe I can trust you. I believe that you are worthy of my faith. So this doesn't make sense. I don't like this, but I will do it. I will obey. And if you cause me to take the life of my son that you've promised to me and promised so many things through, then I believe you'll bring him back to me. So yes, I will obey. Wow! Right? I mean, what an example of faith is that? Stands, stands to reason that he is mentioned so many times through Scripture. Why Paul spends so much time focusing on the faith of Abraham in Romans and why he earns such a prominent spot in, in Hebrews 11 in this hall of faith. What faith he had. But what we also see in Abraham's life and the way he exercised his faith is something very, very important for us to understand about faith and particularly about what living by faith is all about and and what it doesn't mean, what it isn't. Living by faith isn't, isn't taking a blind leap. It's not just taking this blind leap out into to nothing and, and not having any reason at all. It's not just this, this mindless act that, that has no reason or no thought behind it. That's not what living by faith means. That's not what having faith is. It's not taking a blind leap. Faith and living by faith is walking with God as He directs our steps. That's what living by faith is all about. It's not this blind leap. I don't know who, who I'm, I'm leaping to. I don't know what's going to be out there. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just closing my eyes real tight and I'm just leaping off this cliff. That's not what faith really is. Faith is knowing the person you're putting your faith in. Faith is knowing who you are believing. Faith is, is understanding by past experience that this person, namely God, is able to hold my faith and He's worthy of it because He's always shown up. He's always been there. He's always come through. And it's knowing who and what He is. That He is the Creator and the Sustainer and the Sovereign of all the universe. 
that it's because of Him that all things came to be and all things continue to be. That He holds everything up. The, the galaxies in all the universe down to the tiniest cell in my body. That He is the one who, who brings it all to being and keeps it all going the way it needs to. And that He cannot be anything but good. All the time. That's what faith is. It's knowing who and what God is, the object of our faith. It's knowing He's worthy. It's knowing He's always come through. Knowing that if He were one second, anything but good, perfect goodness, that He would cease to be God. can't be anything but good. So it's deliberately, intentionally walking step by step with that God, that good, perfect, completely lovingly sovereign God that lovingly, sovereignly directs our steps in front of us. So it's not just walking out into the unknown by ourselves just at the whim of whatever happens. It's walking step by step with the God who is right there beside us and the One who went before us the whole time planning our path, paving the road for us. And that's what allows us to, to take those steps. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says this. And keep in mind what I just said, that faith or living by faith is walking with God as He directs our steps. Keep that in mind. Psalm 37, 23-24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Another word for delight is trust. So, the one who delights in Him, that also means the one who trusts in Him or has faith in Him. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Though He may stumble, He will not fall. For the Lord upholds Him with His hand. Isn't that a great promise? That though you may stumble as you're going... You will not completely fall. You won't just fall flat on your face. He's not going to let that happen. You're not going to fall into despair. You're not going to fall into destruction. Why? The Lord upholds him with his hand. You remember what it was like, parents, to have that newborn, and as they grow and they, they start walking at nine months or ten months or a year old, they start walking and they're really shaky on their feet, and so you have to kind of guide them, right? And as, as the child grows, uh, that becomes less and less necessary. But one thing, parents, you know, it's never, ever not necessary that you are there to guide your children. It may look different. It may be different. But you're going to always be there to guide your children. It doesn't matter how old they get. Right? Right, parents? And the, the same is true with us and our, our gracious Heavenly Father. He knows that we're feeble. He knows we're weak. He knows that we're dust. He remembers all that. And he knows that even as we grow and we can do more and, and uh, accomplish more and have more strength than we did before, and as we go forward in life and in our relationship with him, he knows that we can have more, you know, more freedom and more ability, but he's never not there to guide us along and to keep us going the way we should go. He, he is faithful all the time. He's always good all the time, and He is always there, and He always upholds us. So as we delight in Him, as we trust in Him, and we have faith in Him, 
He makes our steps firm, and He guides us along the whole way. So what faith is, and living by faith is, is relying on God's faithfulness, not our emotions or circumstances. And that's really important to get down. Because if you look back on 2021, and you look back on 2020, man, those were hard years, weren't they? Hard years. 2021, in many ways, was far harder than 2020. And, of course, I have no idea what 2022 will be like. You don't either. We know some things. We know that it will inevitably be trying. It will be hard. There will be um, very big challenges because that's how it always is every year. That's what it is to be um, part of, of life at this level. In this world, in this life, it's going to be full of problems. Jesus himself promised that. He said, I, I don't want you to, to think something that's not the case. I don't want uh, to hold back from you the truth. He said, in this life, in this world, you're going to have trial. You're going to have tribulation. It's going to happen. Life is not going to be just easy all the time, comfortable all the time. No, it's going to be hard. He never promised otherwise. But in that, he promised something else, that we don't have to despair. He said, but you can be of good cheer knowing that I have overcome the world. Yeah, you're going to have trial. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have things come at you. But I have overcome all that, so through that, you can still rest and trust. So faith is relying on God's faithfulness, not our emotions or circumstances. And that's so important to remember and to keep coming back to because we are prone, all of us, to react emotionally. We're prone to uh, kind of be at the mercy of our emotions. We're prone to be high or low depending on our circumstances and our situations. We're prone to be up or down depending on how we feel depending on our emotions at the moment. Emotions, though, they come and they go. Situations and circumstances come and they go. So if we are depending on those things, if our faith rests in emotions or, or circumstances or people, then we're always going to be let down. And we're always going to be all over the place. Happy, happy, happy. And sad, sad, sad. That's just always going to be the way it works. We're going to be like uh, a person just tossed back and forth by the waves instead of standing on solid ground. Because only in God and relying on His faithfulness, only in, in His faithfulness being the fuel for our faith, will we find that our faith is strong. That's the only way that's going to happen. God is the only one with a perfect track record of faithfulness. He's the only one. And He has that. He possesses that. He possesses a perfect track record of perfect faithfulness. He's never, ever been anything but faithful, and He never, ever will. So that's what living by faith is all about. And that's what it looks like. Not just taking this blind leap without any reason walking with God as He directs our steps. It's not relying on, on emotion or circumstance. It's relying on His constant, perfect faithfulness. 
Well, the next part of this theme that I've provided for you is that we are led by truth, right? Living by faith, led by truth. So the second part of my challenge today, uh, as we start this year and this theme, is that you, that I, would be led by truth. And here's why that's important. We are all led and can be led by many different things. We're all led. We all lead, and we're all led. We all have circles of influence, some greater than others, but all of us lead other people. You may not realize you do, and you may not think that you are, but you do, and you are. And within that, there's a little bit of danger. I mean, it's, that's why it's, it's good for us to realize that we influence every single person around us. We're always constantly influencing other people. We're impacting other people's lives, just as we live our lives. I mean, I mean, everything we do is going to impact someone else. Everything we do is in some way influencing or affecting someone else. We all have influence. We all lead. And we are all led. We're led by other people. We're led by our habits. We're led by our emotions. We're led by circumstances. We're led by so many different things every day. We're led by media and entertainment. Unfortunately, we are. We're led by opinion. We're led by culture. What we need to do, all of us, every one of us, hear me on this, please, we all need to determine to be led by truth. That's what we need to determine to be led by. We're going to be led by other things, and we need to be aware of what we are allowing to lead us. Very important. Be aware and mindful of what we're allowing to lead us. But one thing we have to make sure is at the top, the foremost of of what is leading us is truth. We need to determine and resolve every moment, every day, to be led by truth. And a question that's been asked through the centuries is, what is truth? What is truth? One of the most famous parts of the account of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry is as he stood before Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And when Jesus mentioned truth, Pilate says, what is truth? What is it? What's true? And that's been something that was e- that's echoed throughout thought and philosophy and People want to know, okay, truth, that word, what what does that mean? What does it mean to you? And you know as well as I do that our society and our culture, while nothing new here, uh, definitely more a concerted effort, more more of a push to strip away objective truth. Our entire world is so aggressive and trying so hard and putting so much energy into the fact that, according to them, their facts, uh, are that there's no such thing as objective truth, that all truth is relative, that all truth is subjective, that you can have your truth that you live your life by, and, and I can have my truth, and I can live my life according to my truth. And, and the two can be equally supported and equally respected. So don't judge my truth 
and I won't judge yours. You pursue your truth, and even if it's completely opposite of mine, that's okay. Let's just all look for our own truth, and we'll just get along great and be happy. And it's not only a lie, it's absolute insanity. You can't have multiple versions of truth. Truth is truth. And there's, there's one standard of objective truth by which everything else is judged. You can't know what a crooked line is unless you see what a straight line looks like, right? You can't spot fake money, counterfeit money, unless you know what real, authentic money is. That's why there's counterfeit procedures. So truth is an absolute standard by which everything else is judged, so you're able to discern what is true and what is not. So the question of what is truth is a good, necessary question. And once again, thankfully, our gracious God preserved for us in His Word that answer, the answer to that question, what is truth? And it comes from the one who is truth by his own statement, Jesus, who is the eternal word, the eternal communication and expression of all that is true of the Father. Jesus himself said before he went to the cross, he said in John fourteen six, I am, showing his divinity, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then, in John 17, in his great high priestly prayer, which Pastor Matthew focused in on in his message last week. If you haven't heard that, by the way, you should listen to it. Great message. So appreciated the word that he brought. And in John 17, 17, Jesus praying to his Father, the word of the Father, praying to the Father, says this, praying for his immediate disciples there around him, Peter, James, John, etc., etc., and all future disciples, you and me, he said this to his Father on our behalf, sanctify them by the truth. And insert the question, okay, what is truth? Here's the answer. Next part. Here's the answer. Your word is truth. So he's praying to the Father. He says, Father, I want you to sanctify my followers, my disciples, the ones right here and the future ones. Sanctify them. Purify them. Set them apart by your truth. I want you to use your truth to sanctify and purify my followers. And your word, I know this and I want them to know it, your word is the truth. So the question of what is truth is very easily answered. It's the timeless, unchanging, always relevant Word of God. And that is our absolute standard of truth, Christian. And it has to be. has to be our absolute standard of truth. And the authority of truth by which we measure everything in life. Everything. Everything I say, everything you, you hear someone else say, everything you see coming at you through media and entertainment and culture, Everything has to be weighed on the scale of the truth of the Word of God. Not only is God's Word our standard of truth, it's also the tool 
and the resource and the instrument we need as we journey through this very, very dark world. Very dark world. Psalm 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You know um, how it is walking through your house at night in the dark, and if you have kids, especially little kids, you know that uh, despite how many times you tell them or ask them, that there is an, inevitably there is something left on the floor. A, a toy of some sort, a Lego, which might as well be a dagger. And, you know, so you come down to often get that child that left those presents for you on the floor to get them a drink of water as they come into your room at 2 a.m. asking for a drink of water. So you get up and you wearily do that. And, and let's be honest, guys. Let's just be honest. Often it's not us, is it? No, it's mama. Poor th- <laughs> you, you poor women. You, you go through so much and put up with, with so much. Mother's Day's coming, okay? Mother's Day's coming. But, um, you know, they, they, you go and you get the, the water for your precious little child, and, and you're, you're weary and you're groggy, and you forgot to get your cell phone to use as the flashlight, and you step on the Lego, and then you get an exercise in spirit-controlled mind and thought so that you don't spew the certain adjectives, right? You know, exercise in empowerment of the spirit controlling you in that moment. So um, we need, just as you need some light going through your, your dark house uh, to navigate the, the mine, the landmines that are there, Man, in our world, our world is so full of darkness and so full of lies. We need a really good light for our feet as we walk along the path of life, don't we? And thankfully, we have it. We have it, church. We have it in God's Word. Your Word, Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is the lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So, the, the, the reason that he, he said two things there, that's intentional, that's deliberate. See, as, as we have a lamp for our feet, we know right where we're at in the moment. We see where we're standing. We see what we're standing on. We see that we are on good ground or, or we're not on good ground. And we, we see what's at our feet. So before we even take a step, we can see that it's okay to do that. Or we can navigate around something if we need to. So it's a, a lamp... The lamp for my feet means right where I'm at. It gives me the light I need for where I'm at at this moment. But then as I proceed beyond where I'm at, as I go forward, there's the light lighting the path ahead of me so I can see what's before me. That's what God's Word does. It tells you about yourself right where you are, and it it gives you what is needed to go forward. And no matter how dark and full of lies our world gets, that's what we have. That's what we have. And no matter how bad things get, no matter what the world takes away from us, we have this incredible, unchanging, powerful light of God's Word. You know, um, there's the, uh, it's an old movie now, um, but it's probably one most of you have seen, Braveheart. And there's a famous famous line at the end of the movie as Mel Gibson's character, William Wallace, is trying to spur on his, his people and his troops to go and fight the doomed battle against the Brits, uh, and he says something, and I, I'm sure one of you could say it for me. I, I'm going to listen. What does he say? 
It says you can take our what? Oh, come on, you're going to let me down? Seriously? Really? You guys need to go watch Braveheart, not with your kids. He says they can take our lands. They, they can take all of our rights. They can take everything, but they cannot take our freedom. Come on, you know it now, right? You're like, oh, yeah. All right, so it's kind of, kind of like that with us and for us. The world can take a lot from us. It really can. Um, and it tries its best to do so. The world can rob us of a lot. But no matter what the world tries to take from us, and no matter even what it succeeds in taking from us, the world can't take truth from us. Because the God of truth is always with us. And that should be really good news for you today. As you look around your world and see how dark it is and how full of lies it is, I mean, everywhere you turn, it's just lie after lie after lie, falsehood after falsehood, manipulation after manipulation. But no matter what, the world can't take truth from us because the God of truth is always with us. And how I know that is from, again, what the Word Himself promised us and the fact that every other thing He promised has come true and will come true. I can rely on what He said here. John 14, 16, and 17. You can too. We can rely on this. We can trust this. We can rest in this truth of, the, of these statements. John 14, 16, and 17. Jesus said, as he was getting ready to go to the cross, and he tells his followers, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go back to my Father, and it's to your advantage that I do that, because if I don't, if I don't leave, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And he says this about the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another comforter, another advocate, another of the same kind as I am, is really what he was saying there. I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you all alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. There's going to be another counselor to come. I will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive Him because it doesn't see Him or know Him. But you do know Him. Remember, He's talking to His followers, His disciples, which you are if you're in Christ. You do know Him because, don't miss this part, listen to this, because He, the Spirit of truth, the God of truth, He remains with you and will be in you. Hallelujah! We don't have to look very far or look very hard for truth, Christian. If you're in Christ, then the Spirit of Christ is in you, and He's the Spirit of all truth. All truth. So the reason that the world can't take truth from us is because the God of truth, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is always with us because He's always in us. And that's what we have to choose to submit to. That's what we have to choose to surrender to, to the indwelling Spirit of God who is the Spirit of truth. He will help you navigate through all the lies. He will help you discern what is true and what is not. He will explain to you the truth of His Word, which is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That's what He does. He's the great illuminator. 
That's another title for the Holy Spirit, and it's a fitting one. So my challenge to you, to all of us, as we go forward into 2022, is no matter how dark 2022 will be, no matter how full of lies our world is and and becomes even more, it can never rob you. None of it can ever rob you of the truth. Because the truth is not just a thing, it's a person. It's a divine person. And He's inside of you, with you, moment after moment after moment. Isn't that good? Let's pray and thank Him. Holy Spirit, I thank You for being exactly what Jesus promised You would be, the Spirit of truth. I thank You that just as Jesus is Emmanuel, God incarnate, God with us, so You are Emmanuel, Holy Spirit. You are God with us, in us, if we are in Christ. If we have placed our faith, our trust, our dependence, our reliance in and on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus, then we have been made free because Scripture also says, your Word also says, you will will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And obviously we've seen today and at other times that truth is a person. Jesus said He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. And you are as well, Holy Spirit. And so is the Father, the the great, mysterious Trinity, the three in one. What one is, so so are the other members. So we acknowledge that you, God, are truth. And that means that for us to walk in truth, to know truth, to be people of truth, we need to walk with you. We need to surrender to you. We need to be in you, pursuing you. And we need to be in Your Word. We need to be pursuing Your Word. We need to be people of the Word if we are to be people of the truth. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it is the lamp for our feet and and the light for our path. Thank You that it is the great revealer of truth and the great discerner of what is not truth. So help us to love Your Word. Help us to know Your Word. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for being the great illuminator, not just of life, not of the world around us only, but of Your Word. You've given us Your Word, and You will reveal Your Word to us. You will guide us through it. You will explain it to us. You'll open our mind and our heart to it. Oh, please do that. Please do that in our lives going forward. Help us, Holy Spirit of God, Spirit of truth, to be people that live by faith, and are led by truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.